How's everybody doing? My name is Sina Palavon and welcome to another week of the Talk Too Much podcast. This is episode number 60 and this week I decided to do a hyper-focused educational episode for you guys. What makes a quality NFT project? That is what we focus on this week. My guest for the week was NFT analyst and researcher Zeneca. I decided to do this episode because there's a lot of new projects entering the space and it's starting to get very, very chaotic. A lot of newcomers are entering the space and they're wondering, well, how do I get into these projects? Which projects are good to invest in? Is this project worth it? So with this in mind, I've, not to mention I've had a lot of newcomers like DM me like random NFT projects trying to like put me on alpha, which I'm very grateful for. But I, there's just so many at this point, it's hard for me to just have an interest in all of them. So I thought to myself, I need to establish some ground rules as to what makes a quality NFT project. And that's when I thought Zeneca would be the perfect guest. Zeneca, as I said, is one of the best researchers and analysts in the space. Every thought he puts on Twitter, on social media, is a well-thought-out, well-researched thought. And I think that if you just scroll through his timeline, you always find gems. He posts daily threads and he deep dives into a multitude of topics. We went over every single variable that could make a quality NFT project. The community, the team behind it, the tech, the art, the marketing, everything you can think of. We wanted to give you guys a, a, a framework, an episode on what makes a quality NFT project. We also talked about the ETH and NFT market correlation. Not just what to buy, but when to buy, right? Uh, as the price of ETH goes up, that's one, one thing I've noticed, the price of NFTs corrects a bit. But then when the price of ETH goes sideways, the price of NFTs jump even higher. We really tried to create um, a study guide for you guys as to what makes a quality NFT project. I'm going to stop talking too much and let's get into the episode. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me, uh, Mr. Zeneca. You're one of my favorite people to look at on Twitter in the NFT space. I think you're one of the most knowledgeable people in this space. For people that don't know who Zeneca is, he's one of the best NFT analysts in the space, and he's also coming out with his own NFT project. Um, <laughs> so that's something to be on the lookout for. But the reason I wanted to do this episode, because I've been interviewing a lot of pretty big guests throughout the space, and I've wanted, I want to dial in my interviews and focus in on specific subjects that actually bring value to the community rather than just historical, historical interviews with big guests. And for me, I think I wanted to do this episode because you even mentioned this on your recent thread. There's so many new projects coming in the space and it's considered a bloodbath right now. Like everything is on the more, everything's chaotic. And so I wanted to create an episode for my audience and the community on what dictates a good NFT project. So before we start this, really quickly, if you don't mind introducing yourself and how you got into this space before we get into uh, the meet and greet of this. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me here. Uh, so I got into NFTs about around the start of the year, maybe February, March-ish. Uh, so it was like eight, eight months ago. Yeah. Yeah. What? Which, that was quick. That went by yeah, fast. Yeah. It feels like a lifetime ago, but uh, I mean, in NFT time it is and yeah, I just started hearing about NFTs from some friends and obviously I thought it was all a scam, you know, thousands of dollars for JPEGs doesn't make sense. But eventually I, I did some research, read some articles and, you know, I started to understand the, the tech behind having ownership over digital things. So I, I basically just went down the rabbit hole and just read everything I could and just started researching and buying and selling NFTs as well, just because that's cool and fun and a good way to learn. 
And yeah, I mean, like eight months later, here we are. I've just, I've basically been doing that and haven't stopped learning and, and trying to learn and understand the space and all the new projects and, you know, see what's going on and just think about NFTs and talk about and write about and, and buy and sell. And yeah, so that, uh, that, that's where I get that. That gets me to here basically. Yeah. Yo, they, they always say time in the market's better than timing the market. And that's why I mm-hmm. think that a lot of us, uh, that post NFT content, that's why buying, I think is so uh, imperative. And as you, you seem to, as soon as you s- discovered the NFT space, you fully dove into it. Were you, as soon as you saw it, cause like for me, I say, I got into NFTs around the same time. I remember in February or in March, same time as you, I heard, I had a conversation with my friend. And he literally said NFT. And I looked at him as a part of crypto. I just remember this conversation. <laughs> and he was just, he showed me the the value prop in terms of culture, in terms of what it brings. And I realized it clicked. Like it was just a one second, like, oh, this is it. This is what I've yeah. been waiting for my whole life. And so <clears throat> as we get this started, what, in your opinion, makes a good NFT project? Now, this is, a, we're going to start off with a generic question uh, to throw some concepts at the wall. What, when, when you look for an NFT project, what are the what variables do you look at first uh, that would determine it's a quality project to invest in? And mind everybody, I'll include an intro. None of this is financial advice. I, I guess I have to yeah. do this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, no financial advice, but I the number one thing I always look for when evaluating a project is the, the people behind the project. So I look at the team. I look at who is creating it you know on their website do they have a team page do they have their biographies can you find out more about them can you go to their twitter pages you know even their linkedin pages if they're not anonymous uh it's always a benefit if they're not anonymous but it's not necessarily a deal breaker in in crypto people have their reasons for staying anonymous and there are very successful projects that have been launched by anonymous devs or creators but uh, you can still get to know them like if you can't put a face to the name you go to their twitter page see if it's been around for two weeks or 10 years and you can go back and read some posts and see the types of things that they're talking about. Are they smart? Are they conscientious? Are they nice people? Are they good people? Are they uh, intelligent, thoughtful? And I I just try and understand as much as I can about the people behind the project, join the discord, read the announcements they made in the discord. Uh, So that's like level one, just people, the team behind the project. Level two is also people, but I want to know the community. So the other people who have found the project, like me, like us, if, if we're looking to invest in it, uh, I want to know who would be investing with me, who else would be in the project. If I join the Discord, uh, if the project hasn't launched yet, is is everyone excited about the project because they're hoping to make a lot of money off it? Or are they excited about the project because they think whatever it is, is very cool and exciting. And like, if it's art, are they excited about the art? If it's a game, are they excited about the game? Or are they just there because they think it's going to make the money? And obviously everyone is somewhat interested in the money, but it's about what you're more focused on. And, and some of the best projects, probably all the best projects I've invested in have been born out of communities who were there for like, not primarily for money and for profit. They were there culture. because they supported the project. I was going to say the culture in a way. Yeah, the culture. That's that's a good one. And, and that, that stems back to the team again. And they sort of set the tone for the culture and, uh, you know, the vibe and the type of people they are will attract the type of the right type of people to the community. And yeah, I mean, so those two things by and large are what will make me decide whether to invest or not. And then after that, I'll look at the, the art, the roadmap, what are they even selling, you know, all this kind of stuff. But it's all irrelevant, you know, what the project is, the art if it's not led by good people who can actually execute on it. 
you can have the best vision in the world, but if, if the people are brand new to the space, they don't know what they're doing, it's probably not going to work out. I, I, I actually want to touch on all this. So we're going to start off with what you said uh, at level one. Uh, at level one, one thing I noticed is when, as you're looking at the team who did it behind, uh, behind this project, you mentioned Twitter and Discord. We'll start with that. Those are the two primary social platforms. But you also mentioned LinkedIn, where I found a lot of success on. Do you see the NFT space uh, expanding beyond Twitter and Discord as time goes on? Do you recommend that we start looking at, and I know Instagram's saturated right now, but like other platforms beyond those two? Um, it's always good to look there to just to see if the people have a LinkedIn page and you can find out about their previous work history. Uh, I found it especially beneficial for sort of gaming NFT projects mm -hmm. because then you, a lot of like a lot of the more successful ones, they have people who have worked at say AAA gaming titles and you can see their employment history. And that's where, you know, you know that there's a good team behind it. And for, for some of the other projects where it's about the art and, and uh, maybe something else, then that's when you look at the Instagram page or yeah, you can look beyond, you should look beyond Twitter and discord, but the majority of NFT does tend to happen uh, on Twitter and discord. Okay, and then you also mentioned the anonymous factor, and this is something I find very interesting in this space because a lot of people like to uh, place immediate stereotypes on whether something's right or wrong. And so I've heard recently a lot that being an anonymous team is actually a red flag. And I've, I, we see why, and we've seen what happened in the space before. We're not going to bring up the fame ladies and all that. Was that why? Yeah, it was the fame ladies. Yeah. Um, but... <clears throat> For me, I also think that an, an, an Anon team could be really good. Like, who knows? Like, for example, Beanie's anonymous, uh, Archic's anonymous. Uh, a lot of these famous influencers keep it anonymous. So in your opinion, you said that uh, the anonymous factor, you mentioned the anonymous factor. Do you think that they need to be anonymous or do you, do you think that whether they're anonymous or, or not doesn't really matter to the quality of the project? I don't think they need to be anonymous or doxed, aka not anonymous. Uh, we've seen, I mean, the Board Ape Yacht Club, the the four creators behind that, they're basically anonymous. You know, that we they have Twitter pages, but we, we don't, especially at the time, we didn't know who the humans were behind it. And I, that's obviously one of the most successful projects out there. But I will say that in an age like we are today, when we're getting dozens of projects launching every single week, it helps to be not anonymous because there's certainly like a fear in the community that these projects are just being launched by the same group of people. They're just copy pasting code and, and getting some, you know, shoddy art, uh, chopping it together and generating a new project, selling it. And then, you know, it's just not really there for the long term. Whereas if you can see, if you can, if you know the team behind it and you can tell, Hey, they've, you know, they've got real lives. They're putting their, their face and the reputation on the line. It's much less likely to be a rug pull or a scam. So you also moving on. I agree with that. Moving on to level two, you uh, you were talking about who is investing with me, and you were looking at the community. And <clears throat> there was a couple things I, I noticed in, in this part. Is do you think that the when you say who is investing with me, are you looking for other major whales, major players in the space to be investing specifically? No, not so much whales. I think. Uh... I mean, I will take note if there is other other whales investing as well, and it's uh, it's so weird to say other whales <laughs> to consider myself a whale is a relatively <laughs> yeah. new thing. But um, yeah, I will take note if there are whales investing, just because they can move the market. Some of them have massive audiences, and if they tweet about it, it will at least in the short term do well for the project. But I really want to know about you know just the average 
consumer, the average buyer, you know, who's buying maybe one or two NFTs, not a whale buying a hundred. Uh, because the whale, they might buy a hundred. They're not going to be in the Discord. They're not going to be chatting every day. They're not really part of the community. For them, it's purely your investment. But if if so, the, the community to me is everyone minus the whales, basically. So you you so now that under I now I understand why you and this part you mentioned organic growth. The I actually kind of agree with that because and it's it's kind of this makes this market so hard to judge because in a traditional business setting, you know, you look at numbers and all this stuff. It seems like in this market, like you really have to be genuine. Like this market dictates like your purity kind of like you can't. The one example I'll use is the cool cats. I think that is the definition of organic growth. Like the moment that came out, the design of the cool cats, just different from everything else. I think it kind of spurred the growth of that of that movement. So when you're talking about um, the community who is investing with me also, do you do you you mentioned that you don't like people talking about the price? You said that that's something you look for, or not specifically, but you like people talking about the art and the actual quality of the project. Do you believe that NFT, like an NFT project that comes out, should appeal to uh, the flippers or people like the hodlers? What do you think is the more important demographic? Do you think both matter? I think both might matter to an extent, but I think the people that are holding the hodlers are more important for the long term success of a project. But I think that. If, if a project doesn't appeal to the flippers, it can be difficult for it to sell out in the first place. And if a project doesn't sell out, there's sort of a bit of a stigma behind it where people say it's not selling out, it's not successful. Uh, they don't want to invest in it, which it's a stigma that I think we should try and uh, clear up because some of the most successful projects didn't sell out instantly. The Board Ape Yacht Club took a week to sell out. Yeah. Uh, Blitmaps take, took a long time to sell out. A lot of very... Punk's Comics... There are a lot of very successful projects that didn't sell out instantly, but you know, today people see a project, oh, there's only you know 1,200 out of 10,000 minted and they just move on and don't even look at it. Whereas uh, it, it could be a very good project, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's difficult to sell out 10,000 of a thing without some percentage of people who are just flippers in there for the money. So I, I think they're just sort of a necessary evil. I, I don't even say like evil, that. just... Just a, just a necessary thing for the market, yeah. No, I, I kind of understand why you're saying a necessary evil because, you know, people certainly, like, I'll, I've joined so many discords, um, and I've probably been the opposite end on one time, but, like, I've joined so many discords where, you know, I'm actually excited about the project, and, like, I feel, like, convicted, I feel good, and then I'll see some tweets like some FUD or, or some negative comments just because their floor is, is decreasing. Mm. And it, it does get discouraging and kind of ruins the vibes. But moving on to level three uh, of your analysis, you uh, we that you said after all that, then I'll look at the roadmap and then the art and stuff. So I'll start with the art because there's uh, now that we're talking about the actual surface of a project, I think we start with the art, right? That's the front end. So what do you look for? What is there? Is art is your metric of art? Is it just your opinion? Or like what do you look for in, in a great art project? Well. I mean, art is so subjective, so it's very yeah. difficult to analyze it. I would say if it's sort of like a profile picture, 10K project, let's okay. let's talk about those. That's that's different to say an art project that they're only minting 500 of. But if, we, if it's a profile picture project, because that's most of what we're seeing these days, um, I mean, if, if it appeals to me personally, that's a little bit of a plus. But I guess I would look for what would appeal to more or most people just because it, it, it does influence people's decisions whether to buy or not if they like the art. 
like me personally, I don't care about the art as much. It's it's like as I said, lower on my my list. I look at the team and, and other stuff. Same here. But I know for other people, they they look at the art first. So Cool Cats, great example. As you said, it, it appeals to basically everyone. They like it. It's cute. It's pleasant to look at. They're they're quirky and fun. It doesn't really uh, turn anyone off. Whereas even the board apes, like the, the board apes, a little more edgier. Um, maybe doesn't quite appeal to some people, but I, I haven't really heard of anyone that dislikes the cool cats. So I, I want to interesting thing uh, I wanted to talk about really quickly is: Do you believe that uh, in terms of an NFT investment, and not not even investment, in terms of a project, that profile picture projects are the highest, most impactful projects out in the space, or do you think another sector will come in the NFT space and kind of have as, just as much impact? I think profile picture projects uh, have the most impact right now. That's where all the focus and attention is on. But I think it, it'll be, it, it won't be the case for forever and probably not for too much longer. Uh, I don't, it's hard to put a time frame on it. Maybe a few more months. Yeah, six months, maybe two, two to six months. I think uh, gaming NFTs are basically going to be the next big thing. Like when they, you say gaming, do you mean like utility gaming NFTs or what? Yeah, so play to earn games, games that are like just good games where you can own the digital assets. Uh, we've seen some of them take off already and do very, very well. And I think we're just going to see more and more of that because like with profile picture projects and avatars and these these online identities, it's sort of a relatively new business. It's, it's like we yeah. no one really had online avatars or identities before. So it's just, it's a new emerging business. Whereas gaming there's already like a two to $300 billion a year gaming industry. And that's just a ton of money that can and will flow into NFTs and just be there. People love games all around the world. No, my, so I also, I work for a, a, a company called NFT stadium here in Las Vegas. The CEO of this hotel called Bally started it. And we kind of, we build projects out for big brands. And so I just got my first client. They're an esports team called team devour. And I'm very, very like, I've just become, I'm actually happy you're mentioning these things now because I get to kind of pick your brain because I'm kind of stressed. Like I'm super obsessed about this, about making it work. Uh, we're about to start uh, this next week building it. So we, we're literally just launching it now. And you mentioned gaming. I kind of thought the same thing, like esports and NFTs are going to collide at some point. And I want to mm -hmm. be at the center of that. And when you just mentioned, <clears throat> I want to touch on a couple of things you said. Uh, let's go back to the art real quick. Do you think, you know, something interesting we can talk about. Do you think that, the mechaverse blew up completely because of the art uh no i mean what do, you, were, what do you think was the reason like why did they surpass board apes twitter following pre-release like what do you think was the reason was people just latched onto that i don't know i wasn't following it very closely i think part of it was the art was pretty cool and people liked it i think they very easily could have been just some percentage of those followers were bots i mean a lot of people were saying that um and potentially they just marketed to a completely different wider audience that were maybe not even in NFTs before, but they liked what they saw. Maybe they, they had a different reach and yeah. I, that's kind of what I'm, I'm kind of looking for is finding ways to market to new audiences. And when you were just talking about um, gaming, now here's the one thing I'm curious about is we see all these pixel collections. We even see the cool cats. Do you think these collections need to come out with 3D adaptations of their projects? Because if you think that gaming's going to be big and gaming includes like 
you know, 3D virtual worlds being built, no matter the game, Fortnite, Call of Duty, Decentraland, they're all kind of similar. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, for example, the Cool Cat should make 3D avatars that we could use in the games or that could be bought in the games? Like, do you think that's a must for these collections or no? Uh, I wouldn't say it's a must, but I think it would be probably to their benefit and to the holders' benefits if they did come out with that, just because so much of the, the future is going to be sort of in these uh, 3D games or like metaverses, and they're going to want to take, if, if you're a cool cat on Twitter, you want to be a cool cat in the metaverse or at least have that option. And I think it would make a lot of sense for them to do it. And I know that some of them are doing it. I think apes are coming out with 3D avatars. Cyberkongs have their voxel things. Gutter cats have them. Uh, I actually haven't heard about the cool cats doing it. I haven't been following, but it would make total sense for them to do it at some point. And I want to really quickly before we finish up level three, I also think I, I'm very with you in the sense of the arts. The art to me is the cherry on top. Like you can make the art look cool and have use cases that further your project. But mm -hmm. I think the value of it lies behind the team and the tech. Personally, I'm also a fan of the yeah. tech. And I think that now the tech is the part I wanted to touch on. I've been waiting. I've saving. I've saved this for this last part of the section is. I think that the tech quality of the tech team is a strong determinant of how successful the project can be if they execute. So mm -hmm. what do you need to see out of a tech team? One eye that I like a lot is Pixel Vault because they apply game theory and their, their updated UI UX design on their website. I look at all that. What mm -hmm. do you need to see out of a tech team to be like, oh, okay, I like this? I basically just need to know that, see that they know what they're talking about. So just like a good launch without delays and multiple delays and getting bothered and just having it work without people paying excess gas and all that kind of stuff. That's just a big plus and a big help. Uh, that to me is where the tech really shines and, and understanding that the developers behind the project know what they're talking about. And uh, especially if they can articulate it to the community and, and share that and get, confidence from the community so the cool cats i think i can't remember if it was before launch or just after launch but one of the developers creators wrote this big blog post explaining how they sort of optimize their contract to, to save people gas and really went into detail and and explained it in a way that anyone could understand and it was really just fascinating to see the type of person behind the project and how they thought about it and how they were thinking about the community and how they understood the tech and like the fact that they could do that, it just gives you confidence that if they want to build a game in the future, if they want to build 3D, whatever, it's like they have good tech people behind it. So in the website, it's nice, but that doesn't really mean much to me. I want to know more about like the, the Solidity smart contract developers and what they can do. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Are you talking about Tom too? I think it was him. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember specifically. Yeah. So <clears throat> I want to talk about what you also said. Now I want to move on to... Uh, the when newer projects entering the space as a consumer uh now that it's very more much more chaotic like even for people like me like who's been in the space since february march i'm starting to like i can't even sometimes i can't keep up with i'm starting to hear of newer projects i didn't even hear of my friends are telling me so now when new projects are entering the space it creates much more saturation so i'm going to start off with what uh, from a, an investor standpoint, what do you need to see out of a new, because people like you, I'm assuming for a new project, you have higher standards. Like they're mm -hmm. not just like compared to all the new people in the space. You have a lot, they have a lot more loopholes to jump through before they earn your respect. So now out of a new project, what, what do you need to see out of a newer project that, that makes you believe in them? 
So basically everything we've already said, the team, the tech, the, the people, the community, the art, the roadmap. Uh, but I also now basically don't get very excited unless I see something different, something new, yeah. something unique, something that hasn't been done before because we've seen so much and so many projects, they're just copying, copying whatever other projects are doing, whatever's hot that week. Uh, we saw it with the companion drops, you know, Bored Apes did it and then everyone came out with theirs. And then now the hot thing is like DAOs and tokens and everyone's copying and doing theirs. And it just, that doesn't excite me. They're just buzzwords. I want to see something new, something different, something cool. Uh, yeah. I actually love that that segue. We can actually just get right into the token part because this is the part I've been so excited about because for me, so here's how I, I looked at it. There's a couple situations. I view the situation a little bit differently, but when I really like was looking at what you said, I started to realize, man, what Zeneca is saying actually kind of makes sense because I've been so gung-ho about building and these worlds and oh, all these projects with in-game tokens. Like, so here's what I'll say is we'll start off like this. Why? Because on you've been public that you believe that NFT projects should not release an ERC 20 token that goes with it, right? Well, not necessarily that they shouldn't. I think that they shouldn't just, for the sake of having a token release one, I think that they should, okay. if they can figure out a way to incorporate a utility token into the ecosystem, which brings value to the holders and potentially or probably needs to also uh, have a reason to get new people invested into it, then then I think it can make sense. And I think most of the projects now aren't doing that, but um, there are cases where it has been successful and there will be cases where it will continue to be successful. Like I think the cool cat's going to do it right. I think board apes going to do it right. What makes you uh, say that? Okay. Can I, can I stop you there? Sorry to interrupt. What makes you say the cool cats and board apes are going to do it right? What? Cause you just mentioned in like in-game utility. So what do you think, like what utility are you looking for? That makes you say that? I mean, I have no idea what the utility is going to be. I just trust the team again. Like they, they've proven themselves for so many months executing so well. And also the fact that they, haven't just rushed out and put a token out there. Like it takes 10 minutes. To, I've, I've created an ERC20 token before. It doesn't take very long. You literally just copy paste some code and upload it. But they're saying, hey, we got to talk to lawyers and tax uh, uh, advisors and figure out how to do it in a way that is good for our community and not just put a token out there because everyone else is doing one. And, but yeah, I mean, again, it comes down to trusting the team. Like I just believe that they'll be smart about it and, It'll work. I, I kind of see that's where I agree with you as well as I, I, I definitely that's what I, I look for to No matter if the team proves themselves, whatever venture they go on, I'm more confident. Now, in regards to this ERC 20 token, we'll start. We'll phrase it this way. Do you b believe in NFT? Do you believe it's better to be denominated in ETH or or not even better, but safer more for on a general standpoint from the long run? Is it better to be denominated in ETH? Or do you think coming out with your own ERC-20 token for your project could be better? Um, I think in general, being denominated in ETH is probably better, but you can incorporate an ERC-20 token. Uh, but well, The ERC-20 will still run on ETH, so it, it's still sort of denominated and, and correlated. Uh, but yeah, I think in general, just sticking to ETH is probably the better play. So what situations would you say is besides, like, as you said, I know I'm looking for more. So what, as you said, school cats and board apes are going to do it right. But like, and, and for a new project coming out, do you think that if, so basically what you're saying for a new project that comes out is for them to like really uh, prove themselves with an ERC 20 token, you're looking for them to take their time and to do it carefully. Mm -hmm. You're not looking for them to rush it. So what I think the one, one utility we've seen is cyber Kongs where, 
you use these ERC, you use these ERC 20 tokens, the bananas that your mm -hmm. cyber Kongs generate passively to breed new cyber Kongs. I also thought, though, that this is not a sustainable method long term because you can't just keep breeding cyber Kongs. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess my question is, do you have you thought of because I know you said you have an NFT project as well. Have you thought of different use cases for these ERC-20 tokens? That's the part that I'm very stuck on is I kind of what, what your thread, what your tweets have been have resonated with me with is because I've thought to myself, OK, there's breeding mechanisms. But what happens after? Why do these tokens have value after? Yeah, so the CyberKongs is interesting. I mean, they use it to breed and there's value because the CyberKongs as a community is so valuable now that people are willing to pay for these these new bred baby Kongs or, or Kongs voxels or VX or whatever they're called. Um, but so if, if a new project comes out like and the floor price is 0.1 and then they breed something, it's going to be what, 0.01? Like who's going to, there's no value. No one wants to be part of this new community. They're just, the token is there for the sake of the token. Um, I think in the CyberKongs case, there's sort of like a hard cap on how many they can breed. And then, and then th th they have a new issue, which is like, then what is the banana token going to be used for? And I think that they're trying to figure it out. But so for me, I think that breeding is, is one interesting aspect of it, but I don't love it just because you sort of just uh, adding supply to the yeah. market and, and to your project, um, which usually ends up diluting it. But I think uh, so, so the best use case we've really seen for these ERC-20 tokens uh, to be used with NFTs, I think, is in gaming assets. So Axie Infinity have their token, which you earn by, you know, playing the game and generating it and it has market value. Um, so, yeah, I think gaming, again, with NFTs and ESC20 tokens is where it's going to be. I don't really think breeding for the most part is a good route to take, especially for new projects. So I, I, I love that, too. I was just thinking about how cool cats are not just implementing companions, but implementing different items that you could feed them to change mm -hmm. their uh, race or, or and upgrade your I heard you could uh, there's going to be methods where you could upgrade them. So my question is this moving on is what about the chain? Because I know you're you're very focused on Ethereum and we all are. But now going forward, I'm starting to see new chains pop up. Uh, Tezos is getting even bigger by the day. It started off as just an art collector's chain, a cheap art collector's blockchain. Now it's actually a very vibrant art community and it's growing by the day. I actually am big on Solana. I know a lot of people aren't, but I like Solana. Like I'm not saying these, the majority of projects are, are trash. I agree. And I hate to say it, but that's the truth. But when you look at a game like Star Atlas, you know, I can't dog that, that project. That's a great project. Mm. I think it's going to be the, one of the best blockchain games out. So when you're looking at a project that comes out now, I know you're focused on Ethereum, but as time goes on, do you think that you're going to look at other chains? Does the chain matter to you? Uh, I will look at other chains. Actually, I I bought NFTs on Tezos and Solana like over six months ago. So I was looking into them way back, way back then. And I found them cool and interesting and they were good products. And I literally have had Star Atlas on my list of projects to research for about five months. I was like, I'll, I'll get, to and then it's just, I haven't really had the time because there's so much happening on Ethereum. And now that Tezos is blowing up more, Solana is blowing up more, uh, Cardano, Avalanche, Phantom, they're all coming out with NFTs. It's like, I, I can't be on top of them all. And so I'm basically just focusing most of my efforts on Ethereum with a little bit of art on Tezos and a little bit more now I want to get into Solana just because I'm, I'm a fan of Solana too. I think 
you just can do things on Solana that you can't do on Ethereum, at least at the moment. Maybe in a couple of years with ETH 2.0 and, and rollups and other stuff, it'll be possible. But uh, Solana just has a lot of benefits anyway. So I think that uh, I'm, I, I probably will buy some Star Atlas stuff, for example. I, I've done some research in it way back and it looked really awesome and i wish i bought then i'm sure it's like 10 times more expensive now but um, no, you're still good there's some ships for 20 bucks uh, 200 bucks some for fifteen thousand. so yeah yeah um yeah no the game looks awesome and it's just not a thing that you could run on on ethereum so yeah i'm a fan of other chains and i think that where I'm, I'm most bullish on ethereum i think it's been around the longest it's the most decentralized at least that's what most people say um and i think that uh it's just going to live on and it's going to probably be the number one blockchain for some things but i think that um solana will have a, a place tezos they'll all like carve out their niches and the use cases and and we'll have bridges from one chain to another and it'll just it'll be a multi-chain future i'm pretty pretty certain i agree i i, I want to just say i use radium their solana's decentralized exchange man i'm telling you dude i was shocked like you you press the button and it suddenly your money's just there like it's yeah, not it's so quick <laughs> it's so quick and so i think that and i don't want to i agree 100 with everything you said i do think there's no situation where ethereum's never the main chain but even on immutable immutable practice pro processes nine thousand transactions per second Solana fifty thousand. So, yeah. do you think that ETH two point whenever that comes, the full merger with all these rollups involved, do you think that Ethereum could one day run faster than Solana? Like, because right now it seems like gaming. It'd be smart for a gaming project to, to go on Solana. Do you think because just how congested Ethereum is, do you think that Ethereum can solve that problem one day? Because I, for one, I think this like as a project, as a gaming project, if you can make it work on Ethereum do that mm -hmm. yeah no i think i think that's a good question i'm not an expert on what uh like the, the upper limits of what ethereum will be capable of but i've heard you know smart people talk about how when all of this is done it'll it'll be faster to the tune of like a hundred thousand times what it is currently uh i think like eth triple no gets a 10 thousand times faster and sharding or roll-ups or whatever the other one is there's another ten thousand when you combine them together it's like crazy fast and yeah i mean that is going to be fantastic it's possible that we get to the point where it's a hundred thousand times faster but you have 10 billion people wanting to use it and that's still not fast enough and then you know maybe we have situations where uh people just make their own blockchains like axie infinity they they basically made their own blockchain or they they Forked like Ethereum, Apollo, isn't it a side chain basically too? yeah basically yeah ronan uh, i think it's called I, I, so... I talked to uh, uh one of the people from arbitrum and they predicted that as time goes on there there's going to be arbitrum 2 arbitrum 3 mm -hmm. arbitrum 4 being built on all these so all these layer twos are going to put other chains on top of themselves yeah exactly to make it more efficient now yeah i i, I want to end this interview off because uh, for those of you that don't know uh mr zeneca is joining me at 4 a.m his time which is i still can't process why how you're doing this <laughs> but, but I, I there's something very interesting i wanted to touch on ask your opinion about and that's the market the the correlation of the eth to nft market you know as i said this episode is not financial advice but we went through what determines a quality project for you but i kind of want to touch on when you should pull the trigger so one thing i've noticed and please correct me if i'm wrong because i i'm not sure is i'll see the as eth starts to moon the price goes up i'll see the price of nfts go down but then when eth starts to go sideways i it feels like more people join the eth ecosystem and the price of nfts go even a little bit higher than before 
what have you seen between the ETH and NFT market correlation? Because that's the, one of the most interesting questions to me in this space. Yeah, I agree. It's very interesting. And I just don't think we've seen enough yeah. to really have a good view of it. Like uh, today and yesterday, ETH is up like almost 10%, 8% yeah. or something. And the NFT market's bleeding, but it was bleeding a couple of days ago. So it's hard to say, is it a reaction to ETH going up or not? But, um, and then I think when we had the bear market in the traditional crypto sense earlier this year, NFTs really pumped. So, but then uh, ETH started pumping again and NFTs pumped even more. So August, September, uh, no, August specifically, it was a massive month for NFTs and ETH was just climbing from like 1700 to close to 3K, I think. And so ETH was climbing, but NFTs yeah. were also climbing. Uh, so we've, we've sort of seen every situation yet. We haven't had enough info. I think if ETH keeps climbing, then the price of NFTs in ETH will drop just because, you know, if new people are getting into NFTs, they are converting US dollars or euros or fiat to ETH and they're just getting less bang for their bucks. So they can't buy into the more expensive project for the same amount of money. Um, and so there just won't be as much ETH necessarily and prices will probably drop a bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you think that, as I noticed on your recent thread, you mentioned one ETH equals one ETH. Do you think as the prices of Ethereum keeps rising, especially because think about it, we as the current NFT community are saying one ETH equals one ETH because of our conviction and experience. But as all these millions of people enter the space, do you still think that one ETH will equal one ETH? I mean, I think for some people it will, but it's sort of like the longer you're in the community, the more you start thinking in ETH and one ETH equals one ETH. But when you're new, you will always think of ETH in US dollar terms and then you'll always be doing that conversion in your head. And I just think eventually after enough time, you'll, you'll, most people tend not to think of ETH in US dollar terms and, and they just think one ETH equals one ETH. But uh, I think we'll, as long as there's new people entering, there will always be people thinking of about ETH in uh, dollar terms. And my one last question out of curiosity, do you think for an NFT project, like, do you think a fiat on-ramp for, for the future people coming on would be beneficial? Or do you think that, that staying in ETH would be on MetaMask is fine? No, I, th I think it's beneficial. It, it helps people get into the space. I know Zedrun, uh, I think they have a fiat option. You can, you can you know, pay with your credit card. Uh, and I think even OpenSea and, and some other sites now have, uh, at least OpenSea on the Polygon network. So if you're buying That's what I knew for Z sure, assets. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, maybe Nifty Gateway. Uh, yeah, th there are other places where you can buy NFTs in fiat and it probably just makes more sense. Like if, if you're launching an NFT and uh, you could offer it in other currencies or like other ways to buy it, then it's just increasing your potential market. Uh, An easier probably gateway. a good thing. An yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I don't want to keep you too long. Um, for people, those of you that don't know, you're also releasing your upcoming NFT project, which I'm sure you have some things that you want to keep under wraps. But um, if I were to ask you, I ask all my guests this at the end of each, each show, if I were to have another conversation with you in exactly one year, what would be one prediction for where you think uh, you and your, your life would be in the NFT space, of course? <laughs> wow. Uh, prediction for where my NFT life would be. Yeah, the man. I'm going to say I have uh, my project and that's what I'm devoting most of my time to. Uh, it's sort of like a membership project. So I'll, it'll be sort of educating and helping people and spreading information. I'm going to say we're going to have a, a Discord server with uh, Ooh, say half it. a million people. 
Okay. Okay. That's a yeah. big one. That's that's yeah. that's a big standard. Is there even a project with that many people in their Discord right now? No. Okay, I love Not that, that. I'm aware of. But I, I love like that. the space is growing so much that yeah. And you, you, if there's anybody that could do it, you definitely could because of people that don't know. You should follow this man. If you're entering the space, this is the one of the people I always recommend you follow because you you are different from a lot of people in the sense that you post analytical analysis every day. You get to the facts and you deep you deep dive like uh, you deep dive more than anybody pretty much in the space. You don't just tweet your opinions. You put out charts. So I always think that if there's anybody that can do that, it's definitely you because you're not you're actually focused on providing uh, value to the community. Um, I will say really quickly, I'm interviewing the CEO of Star Atlas soon. So be on the lookout for that. That one I'm, I'm excited yeah. for because I know you guys, you are interested in it. Yeah, but uh, I'm not going to take up your time. I would hope you get some sleep after this. Uh, it's 4 a.m. I still can't believe you did it at this time, but I'm very appreciative that you took the time to do this. Uh, thank you so much. And I will bother you tomorrow, probably Saturday and Monday with promoting it on Twitter. So yeah, I generally sure. apologize. No, that's fine. Thanks for Thank having you me so much. Fun. And I can't wait to keep up with you in your journey and see what else you do in the space. Awesome. Be safe. Thank you. Thank you.